Welcome to the Finding the Magic podcast, where books come alive. I'm Tricia Copeland, a fiction author and host of this show. If you love books, finding great reads, and hearing about the story behind the story directly from the authors, this is the place for you. Whether you like fantasy, science fiction, dystopian, or romance titles, I think you'll find something to love in my playlist. Listen in to discover something magical about a book or two today. Hi, SG. Hi, Tricia. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Doing wonderful. Thank you for asking. Today, I'm welcoming SG, SG Blaze to the Finding the Magic podcast. SG is a sci-fi and fantasy author. I didn't get that wrong, did I? Nope, that's perfect. Awesome. I can't wait to hear all about your books. Do you want to jump in and tell us? Absolutely. It would be my pleasure. And thank you very much for having me. <clears throat> I have the Last Lumanian series. And the first book, The Last Lumanian, is about a 19-year-old sassy princess who is also a rebel in disguise. She is fighting for the refugees' freedom when the arrival of a handsome and mysterious Terran general brings news of a bigger war brewing on the horizon. And this is the war between the two ruling arch gods. Now Lila, my main hero, must learn to control her magic and defeat the dark god before he finds her, the last Lumanian. Interesting. So tell me more about these gods. There's one dark one. I'm assuming there's a light one. And there definitely are two gods. One is the benevolence, and, and her name is the arch goddess of the eternal light and order. But she's not as good as she would like us to believe. And we also have the arch god of chaos and destruction, who I also call the dark lord of destruction, which in short is DLD, who actually has some redeeming qualities. And these are the two gods who are in this war over the power imbalance. And is it based on any Greek mythology, Roman, or are these characters your own creation? Did a little bit of both. I was always fascinated by the Greek mythology. And it's also uh, an interesting uh, aspect of seeing power uh, imbalance and what it looks like when both sides believe that they're doing something that's morally justified. Right. So you start to have those gray characters that aren't completely right and completely wrong. Exactly. <laughs> yes. I love your rebel princess character. And you pronounce her name Lila. Is that correct? Lila. Yes. Lila. Yes. One of my favorite books has a very much princess rebel character who just goes off and does things on her own because she thinks it's the right thing to do. So those are my favorite characters. Right. <laughs> and she's definitely sassy. She's kind. She's royal, loyal <laughs> and royal, at least in the first book. The second one, she's an ex-princess, but that's a different story. Well, hopefully her fall isn't too hard. <laughs> you know, it's it's a coming of age story. So she's definitely finding what's her true purpose in life and looking at what it means to figure out what you want to do when you have all kinds of uh, influences and pressure from uh, different sides. I think all of us experience that. And for me, at least, like reading things like in books sort of helps sort things out a little bit. How do you feel about, because one time I saw a podcast that said, 
fantasy wasn't good for people to read because it was too magical or not real. And I like think exactly the opposite. Like if you can work some things out in a fantastical world, then it's a safe place to do that. What do you think about that balance there? I completely agree with you, Tricia, uh, because that is so well said. Most people think it's an imaginary world and they have different issues, different lives, but they still deal with the same issues we are dealing with. You know, it's it's a it love triangle, grief, you know, not finding your your place, not fitting in. And as you said, when we see these these characters become heroes and and find their ways and 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 have their dream fulfilled, it's so priceless. I love that aspect to, to your books as well. And I, I read your answers to the questionnaire, your pre-questionnaire that I gave you. Um, so I know a little bit about this, but why don't you tell us how you thought of this Lilla character? Lilla came from uh, a dream, actually. I had a dream when I was on a cross-country road trip in Europe in 2012. And I woke up in the middle of the night with this dream that I had to write down. And that was the base and inspiration for the Les Lumanian series. Then I spent six years working on the, the first book and developing the characters, the, the world building, the story. And Lila was the product of this, this work. She's sassy. She's rebellious. She's kind, caring. And she's finding, and she's not for, perfect. She's finding how to fit in and dealing with mental health issues, mainly claustrophobia. Oh, interesting. I love that claustrophobia. I am partially claustrophobic as well. You get me in a elevator, I might be okay, but you get me in a much smaller space and I'm, yeah, not really okay. Do you suffer with claustrophobia as well? Personally, not uh, yet. <laughs> I do feel like that. As you said, if I would be thrown into a situation, I might have a different answer, but knock on wood, I haven't had that. But I do know people in my family who have a different type of claustrophobias, you know, and you have the classic, uh, you know, crowded place. And, and I have another one who suffers from a dark room. Uh, they start feeling uh, suffocating. Oh, Each darkness is is a trigger. Oh, I hadn't heard of that before. Me neither until I met this person in my life. <laughs> yeah, I um applied to write in a fantasy anthology a couple of years ago where every character um had to have a mental illness or a mental health challenge. Um, and I don't think it ever came to fruition though, but it was a really good idea. I right. really like the aspect of, you know, not every character, not every person, everybody has some challenge or something they're trying to overcome. Absolutely. And claustrophobia is, is also a form of uh, anxiety or panic attack, right? And I think uh, almost everyone in this age and era can relate to having worries and anxieties. So for me, it was imperative to create a storyline where the readers were able to find characters they can relate to in one way or another. Neat. And is this written in first person or third person? First person. Through Lilo's point of view? Correct. Cool. I love getting in the character's head and knowing what they're thinking and their struggles. I think you can get a lot of internal information that way. 
That's true. And and also to to see how they think through a situation, how they solve a problem. It is so priceless to see that because we can all learn from different perspective and, and getting that, that context we sometimes need to deal with a problem. Neat. And does the first person voice continue throughout the whole series? Is that the point? That is that is correct. And and uh, I plan to do other character spin-offs. And I think I'm going to keep the first person point of view. It's very, you know, uh, close and it helps the readers to get deeper into the story. Yeah, I like that as well. I have I only did one short story that's third person because I wanted to challenge myself. So I'm still developing that muscle. I think they're very different writing styles and you have to develop those skills to write each one of them well. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm used to the third person. In fact, sometimes I alternate point of view in my books, depending on uh, how many um, antagonists gets their, their uh, you know, chapter. And sometimes I use the third person so that, uh, especially when I want to keep the identity uh, secret, <laughs> it allows me to do that. And so you switch in between in the same book? Correct. I do that... Uh, pretty much the first and second book. The third one, not that much. <laughs> okay. And is the series complete already? No, it's not. I have a couple more books planned. I'm currently working on the copy edits of the third book that is planned to be published this uh, December. Congratulations. Thank and is you. this your only series or do you have another series as well? This is my only series, and that is because I have big plans for this series. Yeah. I hope to create a transmedia franchise out of this with multiple uh, media formats, comic books, you know, TV shows, movies, uh, app games, you name it, we'll have it. <laughs> that is fun. Very cool. Do you already have an artist or are you going to be looking for an artist? We're in the process of laying down the foundation and, and looking for artists, but definitely in the plans. Neat. Yeah, I did my first, well, my first illustrated novel is going to be released next month. And I didn't think I'd ever do that. I mean, it's illustrated, so it's cover, color illustrations of some of the like poignant scenes in the book. And I didn't think I'd ever do that, but I met this artist and I was really attracted to his art. And he said, and we wanted to do something together. And I was thinking something small, like a coloring sheet or a bookmark. He was like, we could write a book together. And I was like, Wow, that's a cool idea. So it turned out very, I'm really excited about it. That sounds wonderful. Yeah, I was going to jump back to the first person thing. So um, my Kingdom Journal series, they're all written first person, but it's a different character in each book, but it continues the story. So that's why I called it journals. Mm -hmm. But you, you, you learn more about each individual character. So I think, you know, yeah, jumping between characters can you give you all of that in the series. Absolutely. And that's the fun about this series is that as it progresses, I see characters that I would like them to have a bigger stage later. In fact, a little side story that is perfect for another, you know, uh, novel or maybe a comic book series. So it's very exciting to discover what this series can offer in, in content and characters and world building. Neat. And tell me about more about the world building then. What is the setting? Are we, what kind of technology do they have? Each book has different world building because we're going to different planets in different sides of the galaxy. Uh, 
So in the first book, we explore an oceanic world called Una, where the history is uh, they have pirates in their history, and they're not very proud of that. So they're trying to erase that fact. They also have houses and they have magic infused technology and it's a patriarch society. So we, we discover and, and get to um, examine with Lila's help what this society looks like, how does this work? And then we also have the refugees and a rebellion brewing against the king, which is Lila's father. So it was a lot of fun to explore this society that was a little bit restricting, but also challenged my hero to become a better person. Right, because if she was female, maybe she wouldn't have been as important as maybe a male character, correct? Correct. I'm guessing. That's what I'm guessing from what you said. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's imperative to have worlds where the hero struggles. And the more they struggle, the more they learn to to overcome the world as an obstacle. And I just love that aspect of the world building. That's really neat. And you said your second book is set on a different planet. I'm, this is where sort of the sci-fi is like <laughs> meshing with the fantasy, right? Absolutely. We have space travel. We have magic. We have a little bit of everything. We have even humor <laughs> and action. But to, to go back to your question, the second book has a different world. It's not oceanic at all. It's desolated. It's red. And it has a different type of society that's very much honor-based and merit-based. So now Lila's uh, title, princess, doesn't mean anything. She has to prove her worth, and she learns the hard way that can be deadly if you're not approaching it, uh, you know, cautiously. Interesting. Deadly. Hmm. A little tidbit that maybe you don't want to give away to people who haven't read your book yet. <laughs> <laughs> not too much spoiler, I hope. <laughs> right. No, we don't want to do that. One of my favorite questions to ask authors is what you want your readers to experience when they're reading your books or in your books or in your world. I would love my readers to experience a much needed escape from reality and being captivated by the storyline and to come away with the message that they don't have to be perfect to be a hero. I love that message. Thank yeah. You. And growing up, I was always like, I had, I was the first kid. So, you know, a typical first kid, I grew up thinking I had to check all the right boxes. And I'm not sure that that was, it wasn't <laughs> the best outlook mentally, I have to say. Right. How many books do you write a year? How fast can you publish these? I aim for one book a year. I'm not uh, brave enough to tackle two just yet because the developing process for me takes about three to four months on notes and about four to six months on editing and then about a month of writing. So while I can work on another book in the time when the, the previous book is at the editor, I'd like to give my full attention to each book. And it turns out I can only do one book at a time. <laughs> At least that, for now. <laughs> that is me too. I was just talking with the author earlier this morning and she writes like six or seven books at a time. And I'm like, how, how does your brain, <laughs> like it would take me so long to remember who the characters, I mean, I have notes upon notes as it is, but it would take me so long to remember like which characters I was writing about, <laughs> what was their personality, you know, even what they looked like. <laughs> My brain is, can't do that many things. 
It's very true. And the consistency is, is so important. So I have a, a whole world building, uh, you know, Bible, if I may say so, that I track, uh, you know, everything from the characters to the worlds to how I'm showing the magic developing in the series so that the readers can follow the how the magic evolves because they experience the world and the magic through my hero. And so I have to make sure the progress is clear. I don't forget something. <laughs> I don't write myself into a corner. <laughs> it's very important to track it, that's for sure. Definitely. And did you always see, well, you said you had this dream and this the series came out of a dream. Did you see yourself writing a three, four, five book series at that time? It's, it's uh, very interesting when the dream happened, and, and I started to write it down and I was jet lagged and it was dark, <laughs> didn't even dare to turn on the light. So I just had my phone giving off that yellowish light, right? So I'm writing the story idea and suddenly I have another one for the next book. I have another one for the third book. And that was the initial idea. But I just had a dream recently, a couple months ago, where the dream was a usual fantasy action, sci-fi fantasy action. And I'm kind of seeing it as a movie. And it morphed into me explaining it to my son, how I'm going to write this series and how this is the first book. But wait, there is going to be a huge twist in the second book. And I woke up shocked because I, the last thought was, you better write this down. And that's when I woke up. And I had to do that. So I have another series, a uh, couple others, but this one is a very interesting one because it morphed from the movie into writing it. That is interesting. That was a cool dream. <laughs> it that sure happened, was. Yeah, that happened to me a couple months ago. Like I woke up in the middle of the night and then I just knew how it was going to end my book. And I don't even know like if I was thinking about my writing while I was asleep or while I was dreaming but I don't remember having a dream about it I just woke up and the idea came to me and I was like <laughs> that was freaky oh that's that is surreal and the best feeling ever <laughs> yeah I think a lot of what we write comes from our dreams um a lot of authors tell me they yeah it's just one idea and then you build a whole world around this one idea Exactly. And the best part is that, you know, I often put uh, thoughts and, you know, about a scene or a character or something on the back burner, meaning that I'm not actively thinking about it. I don't sit in front of my blank computer, you know, my, my world screen and trying to force it. I walk away and I do something else. You know, I take a workshop, I do something else. And, and often it comes through when I'm watching an, a TV show or, or I'm having a conversation with someone and, and it, the solution pops in. And lately, a lot has been happening in my dreams. And it's a very interesting phenomenon. It shows how the brain can really figure out the problem without you forcing it. Definitely, yeah. I think that was interesting that you were explaining it to your son. <laughs> but yeah, you were actually explaining it to yourself, probably. <laughs> Exactly. And it was it was so <laughs> technical, you know, the, I like to call it when I talk about structure and, and all that. It's a bit technical. Readers don't really want to know about what <laughs> goes into creating a character. But basically, I was telling him the outline, you know, and, and the big twist and how it's going to be a great series. So that was such a, an interesting feeling. And, and then suddenly I knew I was sleeping. Oh, 
you know, which was again another surreal thing because I usually don't realize I'm I'm in the middle of a dream. So it was like like all of these things happening. And then I said, you better wake up and write it down. <laughs> wow, that's like a nested loop of dreams there. <laughs> exactly. Maybe I was just in that early morning when, you know, you're already kind of waking up naturally, right? So right. you never know. <laughs> that always works. So I'm guessing you are more plotted out, know everything before you write it into your manuscript type of person. That is correct. I'm a big fan of plotting. And that's because I tried the other way, the, the pencing. And it led me to 150 pages of beautiful, uh, cute little story where nothing happens. <laughs> we will never read those pages. It will never come to the light because they were worse. They, I call that my draft zero because that's when I wrote it before I had any idea of what structure, what the writing craft is. And, and I love having tools in my tool belt that allows me to translate my art onto the pages in the best possible way. So do you use any program for that or you just use an outline that you create? I've used multiple programs for the outline. I have a writing program. And then I started to use a different one for world building so I can track my world building in a more organized way. And then when I'm done with the planning uh, you know, phase, then I move into writing in, in the, the word and then oh. I do, I finish it there. Yeah, I can show you my organization system. I would love to see it. You're gonna laugh because <laughs> here's the notebook. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Three acts. Here's my map with notes. <laughs> and um, I do have a document on my computer with um, everything in there. So if that um, something happens to that notebook, if a robber steals it in the night, I do have a character sheet. So I, I do have backup, but that's when I'm writing. I'm like just jotting down notes and referencing my maps and my character sheets and all that stuff. <laughs> I absolutely love that. And I have to tell you, I tried the notebook route and I learned the hard way that my thoughts are way too fast for my handwriting. And I started to use the keyboard to, to jot down the ideas and then save them. And they became too overwhelming and unorganized. And that's when I found my writing program, which is a Scrivener. And that allowed me to create the folders and organize it. And, and now each book gets their own uh, file which tends to grow up to 400 megabyte each. Wow. Yeah, that's because it has the images, it has the notes, it has previous notes. Don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> but that is super cool. I mean, and all that stuff is something that you might use to create something later, like ex reader extras or things like that. And especially if you're doing a comic book or graphic novel. Absolutely. Every one of those uh, little notes can be very important later. You, I just never know now. <laughs> very cool. Probably if I hadn't started out a long time ago, I'm a little bit older than you, writing that and I was more like into the keyboard stuff, I would probably do it more. I have gone that way more little by little, but I probably need to more because you're right. I can't. <laughs> I can type much faster than I can write. <laughs> it definitely helps. But I do see the the benefits and value of writing it down, especially when you do the, the little note cards. Yeah. 
you know, and have the scenes and organize it. Uh, it really does have a place. I often learn that I can't read my own handwriting, <laughs> which is not a problem when I type it in. Yeah, for one book, I had like my whole plot structure on a big poster board. And then I had little sticky notes that I would put different scenes that I thought of and I would rearrange them and try to figure out like what went where. So that helped me. For sure. I think the most important aspect of, of uh, if you're doing planning is to have your own system and then try to stick to that. And, and if you can make sure you can evolve it and, and progress it, if it works as it is, then don't touch it. Don't meddle with it if it works, <laughs> but it's good to have some form of system that you can rely on. Good tip for those who want to be authors or are writing right now. I hope so. <laughs> Tell me where we can find you. You can find me on my website, sgblaze.com, where you can see characters, maps, and news. Uh, you can find me on Instagram as sgblazeofficial. I'm also on Twitter, sgblazeauthor. And uh, I would like everyone, if they could sign up and, and, you know, the newsletter, and they get to see more of what's coming next. Awesome. And for those listeners, I will... Spell Blaze out is B-L-A-I-S-E for anyone who's listening. And you can find all the links in the comments as well. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Great to see you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Finding the Magic podcast. I'm your host, author and podcaster, Tricia Copeland. And I love getting behind the scenes. If you like the podcast, make sure to subscribe and stop in each week discover new authors and books. Thanks for listening. And until next time, keep finding the magic.